Hi, this is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Tyler German. Tyler is the author of the new book, Counterintuitive, What Four Million Teenagers Wish We Knew. Hi, Tyler. Welcome to Family Confidential. Thank you, Annie. It's good to see you. Oh, nice to see you, too. You know, I've watched your video, and I see you're really dynamic in front of kids, and I know that's not easy because I do it myself. Sometimes they're a really tough audience. You seem to win them over. And, you know, I think that there is something magical about creating a space for teens that makes them feel safe to open Mm -hmm. up to you. What would you say the elements of that magic are? Well, live, um, it really comes down to storytelling. And as you can tell, I'm incredibly funny. Yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, humor storytelling, I think really, uh, at the end of the day, all we ever remember are stories. And so when it comes to teenagers, I I typically speak to large groups, well over a thousand, most often over 2,000 at a time. And um, to engage them with a great story that is pertinent to things they can identify with really does hook them. But creating that safe space, you know, once they've listened to me for 50 minutes uh, or more, depending on the venue, um, I'm typically surrounded by students uh, who want to talk to me, as you can imagine. I'm, I don't know their friends, parents, or teachers, so I'm going to fly out of town. So it's, um, I'm a safe person to confide things in. Well, you know, most of my listeners are either teachers or more more probably parents of, right. of tweens and teens. Right. And they say, gee, you know, I start with stories from my child and my kid's eyes glaze over. So <laughs> um, that may not be a technique that parents right. at home can use, but no. what, what would you suggest they do um, to get their kids to know, hey... I'm your mom. I'm a safe person you can talk to. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked because it's really the foundation of our relationship. You know, I I talk a lot about actually the first chapter and last chapter in my book is about this notion of making home a safe place to go when our kids fail. Not only when they fail, but for anything is a lot of my mind right now having to do with the violence around America and around the world and and understanding that preteens and teenagers need to talk actually most to their parents about that, but it's difficult to get them to open up. So by creating an environment that when our kids make mistakes, the way we react to those mistakes really tells them, are they safe to come to us with their imperfections or not? And also our own vulnerability and our willingness to say, we're sorry when we've blown it, to let invite them into our journey and the things we're working on. Um, I think sometimes as parents, you know, my wife and I have four incredible kids and this other kid. Uh, no, we've got five... <laughs> You want to explain that? Five five pretty great kids. And um, one of the things we try to keep in mind all the time is that life is this journey that that includes failure. And I think intuitively, a lot of the time, we feel like we have to pretend we've got more answers than we do and that we're more perfect than we are. Um, But when we invite them into our journey, we let them know, hey, I'm working on that. Hey, forgive me for that. I made a mistake there. It makes them feel safer in uh, their own imperfections. Yeah, you know, I I do a lot of parent education myself, and what I say to parents is, we're not looking for perfection here; we're just looking for progress. Right, right. And and if we could show our own invulnerabilities, vulnerabilities, then right. then the message to kids are is is a clear one: I am a work in progress, just exactly. like you. And so, you know, um, what is the job of a parent if not to mentor and guide? But too often, we're we're so stuck in the judgment role. Absolutely. And, and I think we judge in ways, you know, some judgment is obviously easy to, to notice. We look back over our day and we go, ooh, I came down pretty hard on that um, and wish I hadn't. And the nice thing is we can apologize if we've done that. But I think the more subtle ways that we can create a negative space for all these things we're talking about is 
you know, the amount of pressure we feel as moms and dads to push our kids, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes maybe they'll, they'll fail and we'll extrapolate, okay, if they did this, then that might lead to this and this and this. So 10 years from now, they might be like this. So we react now as if that 10 year picture is already happening. And also I think that, um, you know, school is a great, a great tool, actually. Um, like you say, we want our kids to make progress. We want, we want our kids to do the best that they can do. Um, but sometimes we want them to, we, we make them feel, I think, like we expect them to be the best kid in the world um, in everything um, because we feel so much pressure for them to go to a great school and get a good job and, and be set for life and take care of us when we retire. Um, but I think allowing our kids to um, realize that there's all kinds of intelligences, there's all kinds of aspects of life that are really important. And um, to allow them to realize, you know, it's okay. I'm working on this in my life and I'm, I'm much older than you are. Uh, so you're welcome to keep working on this in your life and using that kind of language. Well, I, I certainly hear it and I, I concur 100%, but parents are scared. Yeah. They're very anxious. And so they may hear what you're saying. Yeah, I really do need to calm down, lighten up a little bit. Right. But the big question is, how do I do that? How do I recognize that I am coming down too hard, that I, I am projecting too far down the road here when now is now? I think two things. One, I think it has to do with uh, listening. You know, to really, truly listen to somebody is a lot of work. It takes empathy. <laughs> it, means, it means to truly engage. It means putting your own thoughts and agendas aside. Yeah. And it's exhausting. And, yeah. But we can't listen to our kids all the time. We can't listen to anyone all the time, fully listen, because the truth is um, we wouldn't get anything else done. And besides, a lot of the things our kids say, depending on their age, aren't that interesting. <laughs> Life would be pretty boring. Don't tell them that. <laughs> no, no. But I think what we need to do is to, to choose moments and try to recognize when we can listen well. Um, when they start talking about something, you know, boys feel most comfortable communicating shoulder to shoulder. There's research that indicates this. So my best conversations with my sons have been in the car. Girls, females tend to feel most comfortable face to face. And the best conversations I've had with our little 12 year old Brookie has been face to face. And in those moments, we're trying to, and we don't do it perfectly, but we're trying to keep in mind hey, each day I want to listen to each one of our kids just to check in and see where they are. It doesn't even have to be heavy. The second thing I, ha- I think that helps um, is asking ourselves as parents what is our real role in our kids' lives? The thing that, with all the families I've worked with in crisis, they've all um, love their kids. They've all loved their kids completely, would die for their kids, and yet their families are in crisis, their child might be in rebellion. The thing that I've noticed is that a lot of parents forget that their role is to be the parent and not to be the peer. I believe even the most sophisticated teenager is like barbecue chicken. Just because they look done on the outside doesn't mean they're done on the inside. <laughs> and they have lingering childhood needs, which go back to the first thing we talked about, and the greatest need that they have is to feel safe with us. And so as we look at our role, the way we make them feel safe is by being their parent. By It's so counterintuitive, which is why that's the name of my book. Most of this stuff is counterintuitive, but it's, it so goes against our intuition to think that they long for us to be stronger than them. If we want them to feel safe and we want to be able to engage with them and encourage them, looking back over the end of our day, I think what's really important is that we remember they want to respect us more than they want to like us. And that if we're trying desperately to get them to like us and be their pal, they're not going to respect us because it'll seem like weakness to them. And in the long run, that's not what they need from us because they want to be safe. This definitely seems like a shift from my parents' generation and the generations that preceded that, where yes. the, the goal for parents was never 
to be your kid's friend. So right. this is relatively new, and as as you do, I see it as problematic. I do too. I, I think what it's created is ch- child-centered homes. It used to be, back in the day, my generation, when I was raised, that most of my friends' homes and my home was an adult-centered place. Um, this is the most common problem I find in my experience of working with families in crisis with preteens and teens is that parents have created, and it seems intuitively correct, created homes that are centered around their children, where they feel like their job is to make sure their child is happy, safe, nothing wrong with that. They're they're going beyond that where they believe the happiness of their child should be their most important agenda rather than preparing their kid to be 18 and leave home without them. Yeah, so that's, that's yeah, it's it's totally true. I was just um coaching a a family this mm-hmm. week and um the son had crossed the line and the parents were talking to me about an appropriate consequence. Right. And and then parents had a subsequent conversation with the kid and the kid said no. I don't want a consequence. It would negatively impact my relationship with my friends for you to take away my phone, for example. Right. right. So here it is. It's like, hmm, now parents go back and they think about it. We don't want to make our kid unhappy with the consequence, so maybe we shouldn't give him one. Right, which is backwards thinking. Cause the whole point of a consequence is that we're we're showing a kid that hey, there are consequences in the real world, and you don't even get to choose those. There's natural consequences, and uh, taking away a kid's phone is an incredibly good thing. We have a 15 year old, almost 15 boy who is amazing. He's our easiest kid. His name's Caleb. We're so proud of him. He's that's my grandson's name. Oh, great is. name. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a great name, and yeah. and uh, he's actually president of his freshman class. He's on the honor roll. But we found out that he was taking his, during leadership class, taking his iPhone to the bathroom, sitting in the stall and playing video games on the iPhone, telling his teacher he was just going to the bathroom. And when we found that out, you know, we took his phone away because we wanted him to see that, you know, although that seems like a little thing, it's a big deal. He's lying to his teacher. He was hiding it from us. He was breaking the promise to the freshman class that he was going to do the best he can in leadership, not supposed to be on his phone during school. So there has to be a consequence that he has to experience. We have this sign on our wall in our kitchen. I wish you could see it. It's actually on the side, like right over around that little corner. Quote it for me. (laughs) There's two signs. One says we are not the Kardashians. Meaning? Meaning nobody in our family is the star of the world. That we are all contributing to this family. And when anyone acts like they're more important than someone else and we're all supporting actors, we point at that sign and we call them Kim for 20 minutes. Um, (laughs) It's a lot more fun with the boys than with the girls, actually. Um, Right below that sign is a sign that says freedom is earned. And we believe the beautiful thing about this, this has helped. I was just with parents last night and uh, about a couple of hundred parents down in um, Orange County here. And you could see their eyes light up when we talk about this, because there's this dilemma we have with our kids is they want more freedom than they are ready for sometimes. But we know that to withhold freedom makes them feel like we don't trust them or to give them a consequence, like take away their phone makes them feel like we're being punitive. And yet we're supposed to prepare them to live life completely without us. So the question is, how do we manage that tension? And um, this whole child-centered home thing plays into it because the child-centered home does, I believe, the opposite of what we need to do. With, with Caleb, when he was turning 13, we sat him down at this table I'm sitting at right now in our kitchen and drew um, on a piece of paper, drew a circle and wrote the word play inside that circle. And we said, we've got great news for you. We want you to have total freedom as much as you want to have it. 
I mean, it would be the best thing in our lives to realize that you, you don't need any rules. Where's Caleb? I haven't seen him for two days. He's probably helping nuns with homeless people. You know, if he had proved to be so responsible that we didn't have to worry about anything. So that's our goal as well. Cause when he's 18, he's going to have that kind of freedom. So I said, remember when you were little, you had a, a fence around your play area. That's right. I drew a picture of the street and wrote the word splat. And I said, why, why was that fence there? And he said, so I wouldn't run on the street. I said, right. exactly. There's no fence there anymore. Why? He said, because I know not to run in the street. street. <laughs> I said, exactly. So everything in your life and our relationship here is like that fence. It's there to protect you from things that could cause you harm or damage or get in the way of, of your growth. So remember when you were in sixth grade and you weren't doing your homework? Well, we put a fence up and I got another piece of paper and I wrote inside homework first. He had to come home and he remembered this and do his homework before anything. And we would look at it, and he complained about it at first, and, and, and he would forget about it. We'd have to remind him. And was that, there a consequence uh, for forgetting, Tyler? Uh, well, yeah. The, what, what it was was um, – uh, let me get there. Okay. Because um, okay. that's a great question. Uh, we said to him, that's why we needed that fence. And so uh, we wanted him to grow. And the way he would earn more freedom is by showing he could handle that responsibility. And so then I said, Caleb, and I drew a little gate. In the circle, I drew a little gate and then a bigger circle around the outside and wrote more freedom. I said, you don't have to do your homework anymore, do you? And he said, I mean, you don't, you don't have, have to, to do be it told. first. Yeah, yes. you don't have to do it first. You can do it whenever you want. You're on the honor roll. We never even ask about it most of the time. And so the reason is because you showed us you could handle that. Your consequence for forgetting or complaining was that you had to keep doing that until you stopped complaining or stopped forgetting. And now you've earned freedom. And that's exciting to us. And that's how it works with everything. A later bedtime, wanting an iPhone, you have to use the phone you're using now responsibly, or you'll never get that iPhone. Plus, we told him he had to pay for the iPhone, and uh, he had to pay for the data charges. And he said, where am I going to do with all that? So he said, well, we've been giving you allowance for many years. You should have been saving it. Um, and then we encouraged him to go across the street and help the lady uh, with her yard. And he, he made 50 Earned bucks that next day. Yeah. So he ended up earning the iPhone. So we've set up this, this mentality and we use this language of gates and fences in our house right. to say the consequences you experience aren't because we're punitive or being mean or we're upset or having a bad day. It's because you've shown you're not responsible for the freedom you have. We want you to have even more. But when you show you're not responsible with the freedom you have, we, we, the gate swings both ways. And so you can lose that freedom until, again, you show us you're ready for more freedom. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Now, I have a question for you. Sure. And it has to do with um, what if the kid says, I didn't know that wasn't okay, what wow. I did, that yeah. mistake I made. I didn't know it was okay. And now you've told me, so do I still need a consequence? Because I didn't know. Yes. Um, you know, sometimes our kids lie. Maybe it's just our kids. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yes, I looked this up before I interviewed you. Your kids are the only ones in the Google search that came up with kids who lie. It was only that's you. That's why I'm so helpful to other parents because we're <laughs> suffering incredibly over here. Um, well, I, I think, you know, that goes hand in hand with a kid going, I didn't hear you say that. You know, we have taught our kids that they are responsible to know what, what we say, first of all, everything that comes out of our mouth. It's not our job to make them hear it. It's their, actually, I told my son when he was 14, my, my second oldest, I said, Paul, if I'm a half mile ahead of you and I whisper into the distance and you see my, my jaw moving and the wind is at our back, your job is to sprint around in front of me and go, Dad, 
were you saying something to me? It's not my job to make you hear it. It's your job to hear it. And if they say, I didn't know that was bad, I think sometimes we look them in the eye and we realize, ooh, they really didn't know that. Okay, let's, so, let's go down that road first. Okay, then let's, I think in that situation we go, oh, okay, that's, that we give them grace. We say, okay. that's what life's about. We don't know everything and we've got to learn. So here's the deal. Now, if there's a natural consequence to the, what they did, like they've hurt somebody because of it. No, and this one... The person hasn't gotten caught. Oh, they haven't got caught. So free and clear. Well, then I would say to my child, well, if my judgment was that they really meant what they're saying, I yeah. would say, well, that's the beautiful thing. Let's learn from this experience. Okay. What could have happened had you got caught or had mm-hmm. somebody else found out, it could have led to something dangerous. And now you know in the future, so there will Not be accountability in the future. Okay. So we're going to give you a pass. It won't be a consequence. We've talked about this. Mm-hmm. Now you know. Yes. Now you know. know. And if it ever happens again. Yes. Yes. There will be consequences for sure. Good. Because I know that teens are very good about, uh, very good trying to wiggle out of things. I've often thought they would all make great attorneys. It's like, uh, you know, where's the evidence of you having said that? I don't remember saying that. No. Exactly. Um, That kind of stuff. Right. Okay. Also with our kids have to teach them that they need to use their common sense. And if if the thing (laughs) that they know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is that anathema? 14-year-olds and common sense, and I'm not trying to be snide here, but I know about teen brain development, yeah, I and I know that the prefrontal lobe is still very much under construction until they're in their mid-20s. 20s, yeah. That's why I say they're not done on the inside. Yeah. But we, we, our job is to, to teach them to, to engage the little frontal lobe that they have in a practical way, and um, that's the tension of being a parent, you know, and of being a teenager. You know, Thank these, you. These yes, conversations I, that I have with it's people. not easy being them because oh, around so, them, oh, a yeah. lot of behavior that we think is unacceptable has been normalized. Absolutely. And they see it with their friends. Yeah. We and often in our family have to press the reset button with our kids. We did it probably three weeks ago. We sat them down at, at, the dinner, at this table again and we said, we need to talk to you. My wife, Kristen, who happens to be 93 years old and really, really rich. No, <laughs> she's not rich. Anyway, Sorry, Christian. So, <laughs> just a joke. <laughs> no, it's a joke, Kristen. Um, we sat them down and said, you guys, listen, a couple of things have been happening. Number one, we've been having to tell you more than once to do something. And that's not okay. If that happens, there's going to be immediate consequence. I always have a bunch of chores around the outside of the property here. We have a little piece of property, but there's always chores that I have in mind. Uh, we have a run on the side of the house where the dogs stay, and there's a lot of hair that builds up there. Uh-huh. They hate cleaning that up. Okay. And so, you know, if we ask you to do something and you don't do it the first time, immediate consequence. I believe consequences work, lectures don't. And the second thing we said to them just to, uh, at this table, we said the other thing is that you haven't been picking up after yourself around the house. It's not okay for you to leave your room a disaster when you go to school. It's our room as well because we live here. And also, we're preparing you to be 18 and have a relationship with somebody else who's not going to want to pick up after you. <laughs> and um, so we had to push that reset button, and we've given some consequences when they've tested to see how serious we are. They've lost some freedom. The chores around the house, that's a loss of the freedom of time. Yeah. You could have been using this time to do what you want. Now you've lost that freedom. You're going to go clean up the dogs. This care. is good. I think that this conversation is going to empower parents who are often feeling like, I don't want to upset my kid. I know that what they did is wrong, but they say they won't do it again, but there's a lack of trust on my part and confidence. They'll follow through. I really, I really appreciate this, Tyler. This, this is empowering for parents and, and 
Parents need to be uh, reminded that yeah. they are not their kids' friends. No. They're parents. And and let me kids. say quickly that yeah. the way we build intimacy with our kids is different than what you do in any other relationship in our lives. Every other relationship, we do it as equals. With our kids, that intimacy grows out of the fact that they know we're above them, that we're stronger than them. We're strong enough that when they test us, we're going to be, be there and mean what we say as consistently as we can. Yeah. And that makes them feel safe, and therefore, they want intimacy with us. Really good stuff. Can we have just about a minute left, Tyler? And I'd love for you to give our listeners and viewers an opportunity to find out where they can learn more about your work. Thank you so much. My website is bitesizedwisdom.com, but I'll give you a hint. You can also get there, much easier to remember, bswisdom.com. <laughs> My friends say that's the only kind of wisdom I have. But there's video online there that you can watch me speaking to parents, speaking to students. There's some fun stuff you might want to watch with your kids and give you a chance to have a meaningful conversation. As well as there's a link there to how you can buy the book, Counterintuitive. The subtitle is What 4 Million Teenagers Wish We Knew. Um, and I'd love to share that with you. It's great stuff. Thank you so much for the work you oh, do, Tyler. Oh, I really appreciate I'm our so time grateful, together. Annie. It's been so fun talking to you, and I'm proud of you for the work you do. Thank you for that. Bye-bye. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. To learn more about my work with parents of tweens and teens, visit AnnieFox.com. And check out my parenting book, Teaching Kids to Be Good People, and my latest book for tween girls, The Girls Q&A Book on Friendship, 50 Ways to Fix a Friendship Without the Drama. And if you like this podcast, we ask that you review it on iTunes. It may be a little thing to you, but it means an awful lot to us. Family Confidential Podcast is produced by Electric Egg Plant, creators of books and apps for parents, kids, tweens, and teens. And tune in next time when my guest will be educator and school administrator Matt Renwick. We'll be talking about his new book, Five Myths About Classroom Technology, How Do We Integrate Digital Tools to Truly Enhance Learning. Until next time, happy parenting. Mm-hmm.